You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. 3CR is radical radio, and that means more than just alternative current affairs and political coverage. We're radical because we're an independent media outlet, owned and operated by the community. We're radical because we give communities the control of their own shows, with their own music, in their own languages. We're radical because we provide a media platform for communities to build their own power to create social change. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call us on 03 9419 8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Sorcerer of death construction in the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Satellite. My name is Joseph Toscano, I'm the host of the Anarchist World This Week. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. That's 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Well, isn't that wonderful? Here we are, broadcasting once again. I think this is the 47th year of the Anarchist World this week. You'd think I'd get it right sooner or later. Now, if you're wondering what anarchism is all about, anarchos without rulers. It's about creating a society... Without rulers, not like our political, you know, idiots think that it's without rules. Every man and woman for themselves. It's without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people as we see around the world every day of our lives? Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggles, the struggle to devolve power, share power, possibly through direct democratic means... A society where wealth is held in common and used and held in common and wealth is used for the common good. Simple concepts, simple concepts with human beings have been striving to achieve since time immemorial. Very simple concepts. Nothing radical about it. What's radical is giving leaders or rulers, most likely rulers, the power to determine your life sitting on the sideline, waiting for a handout, whether it's a philosophical handout, a physical handout, or a pat on the head. Because, you know, we you know, treasure this ruler or that ruler. Give me a break. That's radical shit. You know, anarchism is 
very conservative concept, exceptionally conservative concept. It may seem radical to those people who exercise power and have wealth because it means that the power they have and the wealth they have will break down in the Anarchist society, will be taken away. Maybe that's why they think it's radical. But ultimately, it's about society as a whole, not every person for themselves. Now, I've been thinking about things for a while, which I do. I like to do a bit of thinking. I don't waste my time surfing the net or actually surfing in the ocean. So, a bit of thinking. And you and I know there's no such thing as an original thought. If you have one original thought in a lifetime on the planet, you know, you've, uh, you're ahead. But I've been thinking about the similarities between the late 18th century and the first half of the 19th century and what's happening in the world today. And the common denominator is how people make a living. Because a revolution in how people make a living is a harbinger of change. And if you look at what happened in the late 18th century, sorry, late yeah, 18th century and the early 19th century, you, began to, uh, you begin to understand what's happening today. This was the beginning of the Industrial Revolution where the feudal system completely broke down and we saw the rise and rise of the private investment for private profit philosophy. We saw inherited wealth coming under increasing pressure from an increasingly powerful mercantile class and the industrial revolution was just that it was about how to incorporate people into a changing landscape as far as production was concerned and what we saw is relationships which had existed for hundreds of years collapse and they didn't just collapse. What we saw that rights that people enjoyed were legislated away to force them into the satanic mills which were being powered by these new intervention, inventions or innovations like steam engines. So we saw hundreds of thousands of people being dislocated because there was a major change in how they made a living. We saw the closure of the commons, lands, forced eviction of feudal farmers as industrialisation became much more um, prominent. And we saw the evolution of a new society. Now, obviously, 
in this situation there are winners and losers. And during the Industrial Revolution, which has continued up to the beginning of the uh, 21st century, there's been more losers than winners. So a revolution in how people make a living is a harbinger of change. Now, I've looked closely at this period, and I'm very interested in the Australian connection. Because this revolution and how people made their living was not without conflict, not without major conflict. And in many regards, the people who are advocating the universal rights of human beings, or the universal rights of man, they used to call it in those days, the people who are advocating for a greater share of wealth found themselves at the pointy end of state repression. And the French Revolution, which began on the 14th of July, 1789, caused a radicalisation of many uh, activists in Scotland and England and Wales to that to a lesser degree. And many of these people found themselves in the penal colonies in Australia. That's right. There were nine waves between 1788 and 1868, I think that's an 80-year period, there were 12 Sorry, there were nine waves of political prisoners who were transported to Australia. Because in those days, Australia was synonymous with Guantanamo Bay. If you had political problems, you criminalised legitimate political activity, you banished people to the Antipodes, to the end of the world, which was Australia. And of the 160,000 convicts which were transported to Australia during that 80-year period, over 3,500 were political prisoners. There were nine waves, and all these political prisoners were to a significant degree resisting, resisting this revolution in how people make a living. You had the intellectuals, the philosophers, and then you had the workers. Each resisted in their own way. And over the next nine months, beginning on the 21st of February, I'll be doing a series of nine presentations on these political prisoners because of the link you can draw which, with what's happening in the world and Australia today in the 21st century. Because we are going through a revolution in how people make a living. And the digitalisation of the economy and, the, and artificial intelligence are the driving forces to this difference in how people make a living in society. So the first uh, presentation will be on February, the, tw the 21st of February.
It'll be the Footscray Hotel. That's in Melbourne. 48 Hopkins Street in um, Footscray, Melbourne. 6.30pm for a 7pm start. Hopefully I'll be able to have it uh, videotaped and uh, we'll put that up on the YouTube channel josephtoscano.nam And the first group I'll be looking at is the Scottish Martyrs who were transported to Australia within a few years of the penal colony being established at Port Jackson in 1788. In 1794 and 1795, five prominent radicals were sentenced to periods of seven to 14 years in uh, sentences and sent to Australia to get them out. And they were charged with sedition. Not with killing people, not with having mass demonstrations, but with the heinous crime of sedition. And we'll look at that. How the state uses the... makes a crime of people agitating for change, makes criminals out of people agitating for change. And I'll be looking at the lives of uh, Thomas Muir, Thomas Palmer, Joseph Gerard, Maurice Margaret, and William Skirving, who were prominent Scottish activists, prominent activists for human rights, who were challenging the system at the very time the French Revolution was occurring in France. So you're all welcome to come. There's no cost. You know, you can buy drinks at bar prices. If you want to eat something, bring food to share. As this is a real pub, they don't actually have any food apart from a bit of packaged stuff. So that's next Wednesday. And that's the first of a series of nine presentations where I'll be looking at these nine groups of political prisoners who were sent to the penal colonies in Australia for being involved in the resistance to the revolution which was occurring in how people make a living. Now let's move on. Let's move on to the 21st century. Let's link these two events because you see history isn't something that happened long, long ago, or even a day or a week ago. It's something that happens continuously. And it has a habit of repeating itself. Technology may change, the way people make a living may change, but human needs and human desires don't change. Maybe human desires for particular technological innovation changes, but the actual human desires and human needs don't change. So we are entering a new period, a new revolution in how people make a living. And in many regards, it's very similar to what happened during the height of the Roman Empire over 2,000 years ago. So here we are trying to link 
what happened in Europe in the late 18th century and early 19th century, what happened in Rome during the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, and what's happening in the world and Australia in 2024. And it all revolves around how people make a living. Now, those of you who are familiar with Roman history, and again, this is just a, this isn't some type of uh, PhD analysis, but just a very brief analysis. Yeah, two competing classes, the patricians, with basically the ruling classes, the plebeians who provided the labour. As the Roman Empire expanded, it had an increasing number of slaves. That's right, an increasing number of slaves to do the work that the plebeians normally did. But the difference was the plebeians were paid, the slaves weren't. And within a few decades, slavery became the engine room of the Roman Empire. And the plebeians, who had still had political rights, were found themselves in difficult economic situations. So in order to prevent conflict and revolution, the emperors came up with a, fun, with a brilliant phrase, bread and circuses. The bread was subsidised housing, subsidised food for uh, plebeians, circuses, we're very familiar with that, it was a little bit like Netflix these days, it was entertainment at the Colosseum. At one stage, I think there were 235, 234 public holidays in a 365-day cycle. So this is how they resolve that issue. Let's get back, let's get back, let's move forward to the 21st century. In Australia today and the rest of the world, we rely, or the majority of people, not everybody, because obviously some people rely on social security benefits to survive, rely on income, which either comes through investment or selling your labour. Now, what's happening with technological innovation, with artificial intelligence, with the digitalisation of the economy, what is happening is that labour is no, is becoming less and less important. But when you have citizens with rights, especially with voting rights, and they don't have a mechanism by which to earn a living because of the revolution, the technological revolution was occurring as we speak, we have the potential for revolutionary change. Now, those who exercise power, that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, understands this fully. But unfortunately, our political system has failed, that's parliamentary rule, or representative democracy, has failed to keep up with economic and social change. And that's why we're seeing around the world whether it's the US of A or you know, any European country, 
people gravitating to authoritarian rulers who have so-called simple solutions to people's problems. Because the current parliamentary system is no longer able to keep up with economic with the economic and social change which is occurring today as I speak. Way behind the eight ball. Maybe that's the wrong analogy, but way behind. So what's needed? What's needed to to you know prevent violence? What's needed to prevent increasing rates of hopelessness, increasing rates of despair? Not just economic despair, but an existential despair based on the fact that nothing seems to change. Now, I'm sick and tired of people jumping to their agenda, an agenda which is set every day by the legacy media. You know, it's this today, that tomorrow, that tomorrow, but never any push for change, even mild reform. It's all about jumping to the so-called agenda which is set every day by the legacy media. And we shouldn't be actually drawn into that particular strategy. It's a waste of time. Because there's no focus on the important issues, the central issues. And what we see is the rise of groups who somehow think the problem is related to somebody's skin colour, the language they speak, or their sexual orientation, or whether they're a First Nations person or not. And we see people coalescing into groups which see them as the enemy. There are two exceptionally important issues which need to be canvassed, promoted and agitated for. Because as artificial intelligence and the digital revolution displace more and more people from paid employment, and we will see this in the next 15 to 20 years, mechanisms need to be built which provide that ability to not only survive and prosper. So two things which we don't speak about in any, you know, important manner, two things we don't speak about are a universal basic income and public housing. These are the two fundamentals which are required in order to ensure that people who are displaced by the revolution which is occurring the technological revolution that is occurring in how people earn a living are looked after. 
these are the two central issues. Enough public housing so people have secure, stable housing for a percentage of income. They don't have to rely on a private marketplace, which is driven by a private investment for private profit mentality. And at the same time, they need access to the resources to ensure they can have a reasonable life. So these are the things we should be thinking about in 2024. Not their agendas, you know, which change every day, which never challenge, never challenge the pillars, the foundations of the society we find ourselves in, which never challenge the failure of parliamentary rule to actually address these issues. Now, these issues will only be addressed by people like you and me and other people who are able to influence. Because if we don't do that, we will find ourselves time after time after time after time embroiled in struggles where we are on the back foot trying to protect what we have won. Not on the front foot, but involved in struggle for radical egalitarian change. If you are interested, I encourage you to have a look at the Public Interest Before Corporate Interests uh, webpage, pipci.net, or have a look at the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest YouTube channel where I discuss many of these issues because, you know, you can join online, you can join today, or you can, you know, you can dance to their dance, dance to their tunes, wiggle, wiggle with the little strings, the little parliamentary puppets pull as you race along and cast another ballot for another representative. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the, by the Community Radio Satellite. My name is Joe Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by, by going to 3cr.org.au. How to Win Friends and Influence People USA Style. It's extraordinary, isn't it? That uh, little journey I talk about as we walk past all the bodies that uh, have uh, occurred in Gaza in the last uh, four months, over 27,000 now, most of them elderly men, elderly men and women, children, the occasional Hamas militant among the bodies. 27 kilometre walk. And so what's the big what's the big thing? Well, the Houthis are firing rockets into the Red Sea and you know what are they called? Disturbing trade. Hmm? You may have to pay a few extra dollars for your next television set and then there are those nasty people nasty people sending drones which occasionally kill a US service person so what does Britain and the USA with Australian logistic support do bomb the shit out of them what does that create more hatred 
more problems. But there's no focus on the real problem, is there? There's no focus on what's happening in Gaza. It's falling off the front pages. The destruction and the carnage continues at unprecedented levels. But we're more interested as a people, as a society, in looking at a Mossad report on the fact that eight members of the United Nations Relief Authority in Gaza from from a you know from about thirteen and a half thousand employees may have been involved in the incursion into southern Israel on the seventh of October. May have been involved. So what do we do? We stop aid to Gaza. At the same time, we see the destruction of hospitals. We see the carpet bombing of Gaza, which I keep just remind you is about one third the size of Melbourne. We see four months after the Israeli incursion, Hamas resistance continues. And we've now got the situation where the uh, Israeli Defence Minister is jumping up and down about the fact the USA is not providing the support they need. I mean, they thought you know, Hamas was going to be easy beats. Go in, they'd all throw up their arms, it'll all be over. Well, it's not going to be over. Even if Israel wins the military struggle, it's not over. Obviously, we have Israeli government ministers talking about pushing all those Palestinians into Egypt, liberating Gaza from its people. People who have been forced to live in the most inhumane conditions in the world's biggest prison camp now for decades, especially over the last 17 or 18 years. But we're not interested in that. We're interested in the Houthis because they throw a few rockets at ships in the Red Sea. We're interested in, you know, so-called Iranian allies. It's just extraordinary. And the carnage continues day after day after day because it's not on the front pages or because it's not the lead news item. You've got 2.3 million people, 27,000 who are already dead. You know, you've got them, 80% of the population dislocated. People living a hand-to-mouth existence. People dying of preventable disease. Hospital infrastructure or health infrastructure being bombed. Bombing campaigns to you know, kill one Hamas militant, which killed dozens of others. And the list goes on and on. Quite extraordinary. And what do we do? Well, we've got a Taylor Swift concerts around Australia. We've had the Australian tennis open. We're going to have the, um, what is it, the Motor Grand Prix in Melbourne. I'm sure there's lots of distractions everywhere. That's the beauty of living in Australia in 2024. We don't really have to care, do we? 
Do we really have to care? Do we really have to care? Mm. Who knows? This to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia. And just, just a little reminder, a little reminder. Here we have Mossad presenting this report to the United Nations and the world about these eight individuals from 13,500 employees who may have been involved in the incursion to southern Israel, which resulted in the deaths of over 1,200 Israelis. But they had no inkling, no inkling that thousands of Israeli Hamas militants were going to break out of Gaza. If there is one thing we need to remember, it's it's their failure of intelligence, their so-called hardline policies, the Netanyahu government, where they're more interested in expanding settlements in the West Bank and Jerusalem than keeping their eye on Gaza, which has led to this situation which has meant the death of 1,200 Israelis, the death of hundreds of Israeli troops, obviously we don't know how many, which has led to the deaths of over 27,000 Gazans because of a total failure of intelligence. It's the biggest failure of intelligence in the last century. How could such a, a sophisticated outfit miss thousands of people mobilising to invade southern Israel. And now when it comes to the hostages, apart from the swaps, how many hostages have they saved? None. None. It's just extraordinary. But it's all right. We can shrug our shoulders. We can pretend... It's not happening. Yeah. Ah, well. Let's move on. So the important thing is, it's up to us to keep the focus on what's happening in Gaza. It's not the US bombing raids and the British bombing raids in Yemen or the bombing raids in Syria or the bombing raids in Iraq which I created in many regards, to take us our eyes off the suffering which is occurring in Gaza as we speak. It's about placing the focus on Gaza and the West Bank, but mainly Gaza. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. All right, let's move on. Do I care? Hmm? Do I care? Now, I've heard that um, a chappie who thinks he's king of Australia has got cancer. Hmm? I've forgotten his name. You know, he thinks he's king of Australia. He's got cancer. He's 75. You know, I'm 70, what am I, 
72 going into 73, I think. You know, he's 75, he's got cancer. Now, this gentleman will get the best care that money can buy. He'll have the best surgeons, the best treatment. He'll even have doctors in-house. Well, look, I'm sad for him as an individual that he's got cancer. Like, I'm sad for anybody who has battling what could potentially be a terminal illness. But do I care? Look, I care about what's happening in Gaza. I do care about those thousands of children who no longer will be, exist, who no longer have the potential to have a life with a little bit of meaning. And I do care about the 20,000 children that will die today somewhere in the world of avoidable illnesses, mainly infection, malaria. And I do care about the type of society we've created in Australia. I do care about that. But do I really care regarding a 75-year-old gentleman who thinks he's king of uh, Australia as well as Great Britain being diagnosed with cancer? But it doesn't really matter whether I care or not, does it? Because everybody else seems to care. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody who was diagnosed with cancer had access to the same treatment options? Wouldn't it be nice if the carnage in Gaza stopped because the gentleman who'd been diagnosed as can with cancer yeah, made some oblique comment regarding how unacceptable that situation is? Wouldn't it be nice if we all had access to our own in-house doctors and we didn't have to worry about the costs associated with having cancer? It's not just the fact that you've got a possible terminal disease. The great thing about living in Australia, you do have a public health system, which we fought for now for decades, which provides that care. But what happens to people as far as their income is concerned, their lives are concerned, as they try to struggle through this particular situation? You know, I care about that. But a lot of people are caring about this chappy who thinks he's king of Australia. You've got the Prime Minister. You've got the President of the US of A. I don't know if the Pope stepped in. Maybe, <coughs> Maybe the Pope stepped in. I don't know. You've got the Monarchist Society in Australia, that strange little mob which is led by Mr... Oh, I forgot. Uh, Abel Axet, whatever his name is, I've forgotten. You know, just a, this irrelevant Tasmanian chappy. Abetz, Mr Abetz, who used to be a federal politician. His views were so extreme he actually lost um, pre-selection for the Liberal Party, believe it or not, as if anybody could lose pre-selection. <coughs> for the Liberal Party because of their extremist views. So I'll leave it up to you. <coughs> See, God is now punishing me for raising this issue. Or the gods. Yeah, you may care. Do I care? Who knows? You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, you know we're having a very important 
presidential election the next few days with our nearest neighbour, Indonesia. I think it's the fourth or fifth most populous nation in the world. 220 plus million people. Our nearest neighbour. The very folk who oppress the people in West Papua. The very folk who have colonised West Papua. And the very folk who are involved in the uh, slaughtering in East Timor. And currently, we have the very real possibility that the son of the current president and a war criminal, that's right, a war criminal, will become president and vice president of our nearest neighbour. No discussion, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. Uh, You know, extraordinary. We're about to create a dynasty, maybe, in Indonesia. Similar to the dynasty in North Korea. Who knows? Extraordinary. Big elections. Profound impact. On Australia. But we're more interested in helping Uncle Sam on the other side of the world. Extraordinary. And let's not forget, we love to train the Indonesian Armed Forces. Then they can use their training in West Papua. Let's not forget that the people of West Papua had been involved in an independence struggle for over 60 years. They are victims of Indonesian colonisation. The population is of, of West Papua, the indigenous population, is just over a million. Over 500,000 have died in that struggle in the last 60 years that the Indonesian military forces, despite all that lovely equipment and lovely training they get from the Australian Armed Forces, hasn't been able to fully pacify, in inverted commas, the guerrillas in the mountains of West Papua. But it's not just about West Papua. It's about the political and social cohesion of Indonesia. The fact that we're seeing a war criminal being most likely elected as president and the current president's son elected as vice president of the fourth most populous nation on earth, Indonesia, our nearest neighbour. After, after Papua New Guinea, obviously. They're our nearest neighbour. They're three kilometres away from the island of Saibai. Indonesia's about 70 kilometres away, West Papua, from, um, from Australia. So keep your eyes and ears peeled and open, eyes open, ears peeled, 
to see what's happening in Indonesia. Because remember, I know you all love your Bali holidays, but the fact is, this is a country that has a history of slaughter, a history of mass murder. Just let's not forget that in the early 1960s that over a million, some people say two million Indonesians were slaughtered within a six to eight week period because they were supposed to be communist supporters. Let's not forget that history which is never spoken about in Indonesia. I think it's a, it used to be a criminal offence. The tens of thousands of political prisoners who rotted in jails for decades under the Suharto regime. So are we moving back into that type of situation where a number of privileged families run Indonesia, as we see in the Philippines? Well, if you want to learn about the failure of parliamentary democracy and the failure of representation whether it's Indonesia, whether it's Russia, you know, whether it's Australia, as I said at the beginning of the program, parliamentary democracy or representative democracy has been a total failure in terms of keeping up with economic, social and cultural change and technological change. Total failure. Fancy giving a representative a signed blank cheque if you remember what a cheque is, to make decisions for you for the next three to four years. Extraordinary. There is a huge difference between delegation and representation. I mean, delegation is what anarchists keep talking about. Representation has very little to do with democracy, rule of the people, by the people, for the people. Delegation is all about democracy. Because a delegate has a limited mandate regarding a specific issue. Instead of representatives making that issue, uh, making that decision, delegates take the decision of a larger body to a coordinating meeting. That's democracy. That's rule of the people, for the people, by the people, by the people, for the people. Now, wonder there is so much dissatisfaction with a parliamentary system, which is has been usurped by that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. That's why there's never any major change in direction in this country because real power doesn't lie in Parliament. It doesn't lie in the parliamentary puppets. Real power lies in the boardrooms of unrepresentative national and transnational corporations which are dominated not by you as a superannuant but by the fortunes of that small section of society that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. But we're all too busy fighting amongst ourselves because of our perceived differences, aren't we? We forget about the foot on the neck. Let's move on. I mean, there are some extraordinary things now. Obviously, the sentencing of Dr. Young in China on a charge of espionage to a death sentence commuted to life imprisonment, if there's a two years good behaviour, was a bit of a shock to everybody. That's understandable. And obviously there are major changes between 
differences between our legal system and their legal system. Their legal system is basically integrated, totally integrated into, into their, their political system. And trials like this are basically based on political considerations, not facts. Not that facts mean much in the 21st century, as we see in the US of A and most parts of the world where facts have become disposable extras in the theatre of politics. But we like to think of ourselves as civilised and that we're somehow we're different. And in some regards we are. And occasionally... I feel, that's right, not care, but feel very happy about the independence, the so-called independence of our judicial system. Now, those of you who listen to Senator hearings would have been fascinated with the grilling that a um, Democrat senator gave to the Deputy Commissioner of uh, the Federal Police. Okay. Now, the federal police in this country have a long, long history of planting agent provocateurs or acting as agent provocateurs within groups. And I learn, you learn a long, you know, if you've been an activist for as long as I have been, you learn that whenever somebody talks about violence, that guineas to gooseberry you're dealing with an agent provocateur. Whether it's an agent provocateur, which is a police plant, or whether it's an agent provocateur who's there basically to uh, destroy that particular organisation. Always, and I keep saying on this program, always be wary of the individual who wants to, you know, who thinks that violence is the way forward who thinks that you can blow up a social relationship because guineas to gooseberries, they'll be an agent provocateur. Even the, the Ben Bricker case 20 years ago, which continues, you know, regarding his parole, um, the fact was that it was a federal police agent provocateur which pushed that particular group in a particular direction, actually providing the bombs which were exploded in front of this particular group to show them the potency of that particular thing. But that was brushed over during the court case, all right, because of the hysteria. Now, I think most people have forgotten how draconian our laws are. But occasionally you'll get some judicial authority who'll say enough is enough. And this is a, a real story which occurred in Melbourne. This family, right, had an autistic son, 13, low IQ, around 70, I've been told, or we're told, who was flirting on the net with the idea of, uh, you know, the ideas which Islamic State was at that stage, you know, pushing very heavily. And they were very concerned about what was happening to their son, so they approached the police to assist them. And there is supposed to be a de-radicalisation program which the Federal Police run. But in this particular case, 
has occurred in many cases in the past, which has not been exposed as in this particular case, because this particular case is so ridiculous. This 13-year-old boy was groomed by the Australian police handler. That's right, groomed by the Australian police handler to think of himself as a sniper or suicide bomber, you know, doing the right thing by Islamic State. And then to make matters worse, he was charged with a host of terrorist offences. Now, when the case went to the magistrate's court in Melbourne, the magistrate, this is the children's court, magistrate children's court, the magistrate looked at the charges, looked at the transcripts of the conversations, couldn't believe her eyes and chucked the case out. Now, I know they were all upset about Dr Young's sentence and especially his family and his friends and I understand that. And I'm very upset about it. I do care. But this, for this type of stuff to happen in our society, you have to be incredulous. You really have to be incredulous. It's just extraordinary. But it happens over and over and over again. Think about it. Could you imagine the hullabaloo if it happened in China? That was one of our people. But as I said before, thank the deities for the little bit of independence that judicial authorities are able to exercise in this country in comparison to the Chinese legal system. At least in this situation, we saw sanity prevail and the charges, you know, thrown out of the courtroom. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. We've looked at a number of issues today. As I said at the beginning of the program, I'm not interested in their agenda. I'm interested in our agenda Our agenda is about promoting change. It's not about reacting to them. Every time we react to them, we are basically wasting our time. We need to start promoting our agendas. So don't forget the uh, talk or presentation on the 21st of February regarding the Scottish martyrs who are sent here as prisoners for sedition and the link it has with 21st Century Australia. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. If they're rude, I'll delete them. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com or info at pibci.net. You can join public interest before corporate interest, there's so many web pages, so many things. You can go to the YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, another YouTube channel, josephtoscano.nam. It just goes on and on and on. You know what I think about social media. I know you've all got click activism, but rest that finger, get out on the streets, listen to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. Thank you once again for having the patience of listening to the Anarchist World this week. 
courtesy of the Community Radio Network on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Brainwash minds. Oh, larger.3CR subscriber? We really need our listeners to subscribe to the station. It helps us remain financially independent and is an important part of our community governance. It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organization, and $300 solidarity. Become a 3CR subscriber today. 3CR Radical Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.